0: Welcome to Faith Center Foursquare Church's message of the week. For more information on the church or ministry, head on over to our website eurekafaithcenter.org or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Now we hope you enjoy this message. Hey, good morning. How's it going? Eleven o'clock, you guys. You guys got here right on time. Eleven fifteen. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> You know who you are. Uh, no, it's just funny. It's funny. The the something we noticed. 9:30 here, right on time. The early one, everyone's like seated, ready to go. 11 o'clock, there's like one person, and it's really hard. We we're like you know we're playing. I thank God we're like get up, clap. And there's like one person like, okay. <laughs> but by 11:15 it fills up. So uh, no, I'm just I'm just playing with you. I know life happens and all that. Um, So throw timing out the window. Just kidding. Okay. All right. Well, uh, you guys are, you guys, you know, I joke with you, but you guys are the dedicated ones this morning, right? You've spent probably, what, like $40 in gas getting here? Yeah? (laughs) It's crazy, right? Uh, Anybody just thrown in the towel and buying a Prius? I thought there was a group of people playing hacky sack out in the lobby uh, when I walked in. So, the hippie joke didn't land okay. Um, But, uh, you know, they they should really update the Bible, uh, you know, in the Ten Commandments where it says, uh, you you shall not covet uh, your neighbor's uh, fuel-efficient vehicle. That's a new translation. You know, never coveted an ox, but I might covet a Prius. You know what I mean? So... uh, yeah, it's just fun stuff. So we're, uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 21 through 26 this morning. And uh, this, is, this is a story of David in the wilderness. And where, where we're joining the story, like, we, we know a lot about, about David, right? Man after God's own heart, super talented musician. Uh, he, um, he was chosen by the prophet Samuel to be the next king of Israel. Did it happen right away? No, David had to wait. Uh, and who was king while David was waiting? Saul. So we've, got, so we've got Saul in the story. And as David was being chosen, right, his, his brothers were, were saying, wait, we should, we should be king because we're stronger and more handsome. And God said, uh, God looks at the heart, man looks at appearance, right? Say, so God looks at the heart man looks at. Have you ever done that? Yeah, me too. But, but we're, we're, we're going to see just how important being after God's own, own heart is. And we're going to see that in the, in the wilderness story. And we see that, that Saul tries to kill David multiple times, right? David was like playing his harp once and Saul just all of a sudden, you ever just get angry for no reason? I guess Saul was having one of those moments and threw a spear right at him, right? Actually, kind of a cool story. Like, I imagine, you know, me just alone in a room playing a guitar, and then someone opening the door and just throwing a spear at me. That would be a story to tell. And if you do, just don't throw it in my direction. I'll tell a story like you did, but, you know, let's not take any chances here. Um, So, uh, Saul is... Just very, very jealous of David. And, and, you know, it ends up that David just has to start running. And he's in the wilderness. And, and Saul's own son, Jonathan, is, is helping David because David and him are really close. And so David is just running around in the wilderness. He's supposed to be king, he's supposed to, he was promised all these things by God, but it's not happening. He's in the wilderness, I guess, just waiting. Can, you, can we identify with that? Right? We have all these promises from God, or, or we, we know where we want to be in life, but it's not time yet. And if we know something from David, David just wanted to honor God, pursue God. He had pure intentions. Have you ever been in a place where you have pure intentions? You're just trying to honor God, and someone's attacking you, or something's attacking you? Um, I am a product of old-fashioned parenting and good old Baptist discipleship. Anybody else? Yeah, that probably means, if, if you identify with me, that means you have, you're, you have some things to work through, maybe some scars. But darn are we well-behaved, aren't we? <laughs> we know how to behave. Um, and, no, I'm, I'm very thankful for my, my Baptist foundation. Um, you know the the Trinity, Father, Father, Son, Holy Bible. Let's go, Amen. One, ooh, maybe that was a little. You got it. Good job, Greg. Air five. There you go. I'm just gonna start preaching to Greg. He gets me. Um. So with that, I I grew up in a in a Baptist youth group, and it was amazing. There were actually I had multiple men in my life that that discipled me, and. Uh, this in sophomore year, we were having a uh, backpacking trip during the summer, but also I was on a baseball team. So I had to decide, do I go play baseball? It was a wood bat tournament. I have something about being 15 and wanting to hit with a wood bat. I don't know what that is, but it just feels better, doesn't it, Ivan? Wood bat, just yeah, that sound, that feel. Um, but this guy, he says, you're not going to go on the backpacking trip. It's like you can go play baseball any time but you're going to get this one chance to, to go backpacking. Um, I didn't know he wanted to like almost kill me, uh, <laughs> because this backpacking trip was intense. I'll tell you about it. Um, so we packed, right? And this is my first time. So uh, Greg says about 16 pounds to pack your pack is ideal. I was probably like 50 pounds, I'm sure, in my pack. You know, bringing cans. Like, canned food, right? One can of beans is 16 pounds. So, like, it's like, like, that's, you know, Greg says he's going to teach me how to actually pack, so. And I said 16, not 60 pounds, 16. My, like, yeah. There are lots of things that are 16 pounds that aren't that big. Um, yeah, I can't fathom that. You've blown my mind. Uh, So... I end up going on this backpacking trip, and we, we go, and we set up camp, and, you know, when you're backpacking, you set up camp, and then you're like, now what do we do? You have all these options, um, you know, maybe relax by a lake, relax, you know, take it easy, relax. Nope. We're going on a- another hiking trip. We hiked to hike. That doesn't make sense. And, uh, right, when you, when you hike, you know, usually there's switchbacks, no, they're like, no, nothing switchier back about this. Straight up. We're going straight up. So we, we, like, there are points where I look down like I could die. So get right with the Lord or go be with the Lord. Those were my, those were, those were my two options. Um, so there was one point where I was literally jumping through, over from one cliff to another into snow, sliding down the snow. So we do that. Everyone goes first. And I, you know, I rear up. I get ready to go because that helps. And I run and I make it. I get down and we get down to this valley and they're gone. They've disappeared. Like, thanks for, you know, you take, take a chubby kid first time to, to a backpacking trip and you leave them. So they just did a little exploring. Like, they turned a corner. And this is my first time, so I'm freaking out. I have I have no idea what to do in the situation. I pull a Goonies, right? Hey you guys. <laughs> and still no one's they're yelling at me actually, but they're downwind and I can't hear them. So, instead of just waiting and trusting that, you know, these three guys are not just going to leave me, I freak out and I'm like, I'm going back to camp. So I turn and I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's that way. And you know, I'm kind of impressed cuz I was right. It wasn't an easy trek, but, it, but I made it back. But I, as I'm trying to make it back, I'm like, what if a mountain lion attacks me? What if something happens? So I've, I've got my t-shirt off. I've got Giggleberry sunscreen. It's a, like a health brand thing, weird. Why, why do healthy brands make this need to try to make it sound more appealing when it doesn't? But anyways, Giggleberry sunscreen, a t-shirt and my water bottle, and I'm figuring out, OK. And mountain lion attacks. You squirt the sunscreen in the eyes, you strangle it with your shirt, and you just start pounding with your water bottle. Right? That's that was my plan. Not animal cruelty, it attacked me. So, uh, just set that record straight. And so, uh, that's in my mind. I'm, I'm like, okay, what you know, what happens? Maybe the whole the punching of the nose is a shark thing, but all bets are off, so might as well try that too. You know, so you know, anything I can think of. Um, but it never attacked. Thank you, mountain lion, for sparing my life. And I get back to camp and meanwhile, the guys that just turned a corner return the corner. They come back and they're like, Where is he? And they go into like panic mode and they're looking for my body behind Bushes and stuff. And uh, so they're like, okay, two of us are going to stay here. We're going to send one back to camp. And so he walks. The guy gets to camp. He walks, sees me, and walks back to get the other two. He probably walked like 20 miles that day. Um, When we're in the wilderness, we freak out sometimes, right? And I could imagine that David wanted to freak out. He's saying, I, God promised me all this, and I'm stuck in the wilderness trying to figure out how to survive. So we're going to join him in 1 Samuel 24, 3 through 7, and we're going we're to learn from how David operated in this wilderness period of his life. I'm in the New English translation. Um, it, you can find it. It's on any Bible app, so get off of Instagram and... Get a uh, get on the Bible app. All right, let's read. And David came to a sheep to the sheepfolds by the road, where there was a cave. Saul went into in. Saul went into it to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the recesses of the cave. David's men said to him, This is the day about which the Lord has said to you, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you can do to him whatever seems appropriate to you. So David got up and quietly cut off an edge of Saul's robe. Afterward, David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off an edge of Saul's robe. He said to his men, May the Lord keep me far away from doing such a thing to my Lord, who is the Lord's chosen one. By extending my hand against him, after all, he is the Lord's chosen one. David restrained his men with those words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. Then Saul left the cave and started down the road. So Saul, so David is in the cave hiding, playing a little hide-and-seek here. And, right, we can kind of feel. How, have you ever played hide and seek? You're like, when this person that's p- supposed to be finding you, you see them, and you're like, you're like, oh my gosh, they're here. Like when you're hiding, how come you always have to use the restroom? Like you find the perfect hiding spot, and then boom, you have to use the restroom, or you're hungry, or you forgot, you left a light on in the other room, or something. I don't know. But in comes Saul, while David's hiding, and. The perfect moment presents himself. His enemy is in a very vulnerable state. No one's fallen, following Saul into the bathroom, right? He's alone. And David, David's men say, this is your chance. What does David do? He cuts a piece of the cloak. And later on in the, in the story, Saul leaves, and David says, hey, Saul, could have killed you. And... And Saul says, Saul repents. He says, may the Lord bless you for sparing my life. He blesses him. And then tries to kill him again. Like time goes on. And then boom, again. Right? That back and forth. Have you ever been in that back and forth of you did something good? You did something that, was, that you felt was right that, that God had told you to do? And it's not necessarily taken by, peop- by the people that you're trying to Love, engage, right? David was terrified of Saul, but he also loved Saul dearly and respected Saul. We saw that just now. Can it, it's, it's, it's so difficult to constantly be in the back and forth of relationship. David was in a wilderness in his relationship with Saul. Have you ever been in the wilderness like, he was in physical wilderness, but he was in relationship wilderness. I, I would say that's where I am in, if I'm being vulnerable, that's where I am in my relationship with my family right now. I don't, I don't know where my family stands right now. I don't know. I'm in a wilderness period of how to figure out how to interact with my family. I, just, I, have, no, I, have, I have no clue. But I think David shows us this. Being in the wilderness does not mean being stagnant. I can't just sit back and wait for something for my family to magically get better. We, right? I tell a lot of a lot of single people you can't just sit back and wait for like, uh, you know, the perfect spouse or or partner to come along. You have to take steps into a relationship, like brush your teeth, man, or something, right? <laughs> right? Why, why did different, like, couples look at each other at that? I don't want to know. Um, but, <laughs> like, yeah, people, we think that, oh, I'm in this wilderness season. I just don't know what the future looks like. So we just wait for something to happen. What we just saw David do is, is he stepped about as close as he should have. If he went any further, and he felt guilty for that. If he went any further and f- filter, if he went any further and killed Saul, then that would have been wrong. But he still took the step to where he needed to be. So I think in the wilderness, we, we need to take steps into what God might be calling us into, the greater. There are greater things that God's calling you to but you need to step into the small things first. I, I see that in our church. You might not be called to children's ministry, but you can step into the nursery once a month. You can you can step into the small places of... Wow. Thank you, Lord. That was a good point, wasn't it? That was very angelic. Oh, my gosh. Medieval, I might even say. But, yeah, we we step into, if we step into uh, little opportunities, God shows us, God entrusts us with more. When we're faithful to the little opportunities that he gives us, God always trusts us with more. So when we step into little things like, that are actually big things, Right? Actually, once a month in the nursery is actually a big thing to someone, to a, to a, a mother that just wants a loving adult to, to care for their kid. That's a huge thing. You might not view it as it, but that's a huge thing. What David did, that was a little thing, a little restraint, but a huge thing. Youth ministry, I experience it all the time. I have volunteers come in for a season and it was time to leave. Uh, after, you know, after I, I'm on my knees begging and pleading for them to stay, of course, when, it, when it's time for them to go, it's understandable. When you're stepping into, into something at church, it doesn't mean you're there forever, but you're committing to a season. You're stepping into a season of just honoring God, saying, I don't, I don't really know what, what God has for me, but I'm going to step in and honor the season that he, he has me in. Sound Good. All right. Cool. So, we're going to go and I I debated uh I I was thinking that maybe I would just tell you that that story with David and say that David that Saul again tried to kill David and the same kind of thing happened, but I think there's actually richness in reading the second account where where David almost has an opportunity to almost kill Saul so let's read that that is uh first samuel that's first samuel twenty six five through twelve yep first samuel twenty six five through twelve it says this so David set out and went to the place where Saul was camped. David saw the place where Saul and Abner, son of Ner, the general in command of his army, were sleeping. Now Saul was lying in the entrenchment, and the army was camped all around him. David said to Ahimelech, the Hittite, and Abishai, son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, he said to them, Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? Abishai replied, I will go down with you. So David and Abishai approached the army at night and found Saul lying asleep in the entrenchment with his spear stuck in the ground by his head. Abner and the army were lying all around him. Abishai said to David, Today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me drive the spear right through him into the ground with one swift jab. A second jab. Won't be necessary. But David said to Abishai, Don't kill him. Who can extend his hand against the Lord's chosen one and remain guiltless? David went on to say, As the Lord lives, the Lord himself will strike him down. Either his day will come and he will die, or he will go down into battle and be swept away. But may the Lord prevent me from extending my hand against the Lord's chosen one. Now take the spear by Saul's head and the jug of water, and let's get out of here. So David took the spear and the jug of water by Saul's head, and they got out of there. No one saw them or was aware of their presence or woke up. All of them were asleep, for the Lord had caused a deep sleep to fall on them. So again, David has another opportunity to kill Saul. I think something unique about these two stories is that there's, there's elements of what what we would call hearing from God, right? How God speaks to us. I I I believe that God speaks to us through His Word, through His through circumstances, and through others. I think those are those are top three. That and then and then we'll talk about. But there's one that's most important. So, Saul, David's people were in both of these instances. David's people reminding him, hey, the Lord promised kingship to you. The Lord promised that, that Saul would not defeat you. And then they were, David's people were like, this is your moment. And in this particular one that we just read, someone told him, I'm going to do it for you. Like, you, you don't have to even have to dirty your hands. I will do it for you. And David still honors God in the process. He, he, and then we see the, the circumstance, right, twice. You would, if, if that were us, we'd be like, oh, this is our chance. Let's take it. God's obviously, obviously God's saying this is, this is our chance to get what he promised. And we, we see when Saul just walked in, we would think that's, that's our moment. Or when God didn't, God didn't allow the men to wake up. But that wasn't God saying kill him. God was seeing what David was going to do, where David's heart was at. Not every open door is a door to walk through. Not all advice is good advice. Not all good advice is the right advice. We hear a lot of good advice, right? Like the advice that says, "Don't, don't go shopping at the store while, while hungry, right? Go shopping at the store with a full stomach. Great plan if you're looking to save money. Horrible plan if you actually want food you want to eat in the house. <laughs> uh, it's it's just reality, right? You open the fridge and you're like, well, it's DoorDash today. All right. Oh bummer, right.'" That it's good advice, but all, not always right in season. It's good advice if you're on a diet, but if you want to enjoy eating, maybe it's not so good advice. But you're going to have a lot of good advice come to you. You're going to have a lot of circumstances come to you that, that look like they're the right thing. You're, you're going to read God's word, and you're going you're gonna to see things to apply in, in all of it. But the ultimate thing you need to do is you need to take it to God. You take all of it, and then you ask, God, what what do you want me to do? Holy Spirit, lead me in making this decision. Is it time to leave the wilderness, or is it time to, to continue to just stay in this wilderness period and, and, and learn, hear what you want to teach me, see what you want to teach me? Because if we, if we take ourselves out of the wilderness on our own strength, then we miss out on what God wants to teach us and show us, and then we're ill-equipped for the big thing that he's equipping us for. We believe that, right? We believe that Faith Center has a lot of big things coming. We can feel it, right? We're in a wilderness period. We don't necess- necessarily know what the future's going to look like. We just need to step. We just need to take what we're seeing in our church to God and ask God to move. Ask God to lead us, and then step in those opportunities that He does open up that He does say, "Go, do so we're gonna we're gonna read from James real quick. We're gonna read James one nineteen through twenty. I think this is important because there's an underlying theme here of anger. Saul was very angry, and we see how Saul operated in anger. And then we see David, and we see that David had a, he had a right to be angry, right? He could have killed Saul back, right? Saul's like, I'm going to kill you. And David could have said, well, I'm going to kill you back, Right? But David didn't react. He didn't use anger to react in a way that we might have expected. James says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Wow, that is that is what David showed us. Let's read 20 again. For Human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Like, that is, we just got to, like, take that in. Because there's a lot to be angry about right now. I get it. Like, it's, it's real, right? I, have you heard of the Enneagram? My, my Enneagram number is, it's in the gut triad. So I feel things in my gut, which means, I, like one of the main feelings I feel is anger, and one of the main feelings that fuels me is anger. So, I totally get it. This one time, so I was at seven o seven, and that's our Saturday night young adults group, and it's in the dome. And if you're a young adult and you don't go, I'm angry at you. I'm just kidding. It's, wow. Are we still awake here? Are you guys doing good? Should I just close? You were doing good. We're doing all right. I'll close. Don't worry about it. I'll close soon. But so, right after Sunday, do you go to lunch with people from church? Some do, some don't, and we had, kind of have a version of that after seven of seven, but it's on a Saturday night, and we get done. We get done, and once we get out of like the dome. And once we, like, get food and stuff, it's like 10 o'clock at night. Nothing good happens after 9.30, and you should be asleep by 10. That, in my opinion. And so, but we went to Meg's house, and they have a papasan. Have you ever heard? Do you know what that is? That little basket that just kind of cuddles you, it catches you, and you just fall asleep. So that's what I do. Everyone's playing games and hanging out. I'm asleep in the papasan. And then it was time to get up, Sarah takes us home, because Sarah drove. And then I wake up, and I've got worship practice in the morning. And I wake up, take a shower, make my pour-over coffee. It took me five minutes, but I dialed everything. It's delicious. Best, best pour-over coffee I've, I've made in a while that morning. And then I pour it in my travel mug, and I start to leave, and... Where are my keys? They're in the Papasan. And I have a spare key. But Sarah has a spare key because I locked my keys in my car a few days earlier than that. So Sarah has it. Sarah's already gone to Safeway to pick a few things up before church. And I call Sarah and I dial and I say, hey, I can't find my keys. I think they're at Meg's. Um, Do you have my spare? And she says, "Yeah, I have your spare." And I am angry. I'm so mad. I don't know what I'm angry at. I'm angry at Sarah for some reason, but she didn't do anything wrong. But have you ever been angry at someone, but they didn't they have nothing to do with with it? Yeah? No, yeah. yeah. So instead of saying, "Bring me my key, my spare key, I hang up. I don't say anything. I don't communicate anything. I just hang up. and I brood in my anger. And by this point, by, by, this, by this point, it is 8.30. Practice starts at 8.30. Worship practice starts at 8.30. And I'm so frustrated and angry. And Meg texts me. And I've already t- I'm pretty sure I've already told her that I can't find my keys. I text her and I say, I can't find my keys. Um, I'm going to be late. And she's like, okay, everyone's on stage waiting for you. And that just angers me, so I text her back. Yeah, I figured. Like, of course they're waiting for me. Like, I know they're waiting for, like, I'm panicking here. And Sarah, I call Sarah again, I say, where are you? She's like, Oh, I didn't know you needed it. And I was like, "Ah, oh, God. <laughs> Everything is, and it's really my fault. I'm not communicating, and I'm really angry. So then she comes, she, she understands the urgency after that conversation. Uh, Probably blacked out. I don't know. I don't remember the details of that one. Uh, but she comes back and gives me my key. I don't really say anything. I grab my my pour-over coffee and I'm walking to my truck. And I take that coffee that I worked so hard on and I throw it. And it felt so good. Have you ever had an anger release like that? Ah, it feels so good. And I threw it right into my front lawn. And it didn't hurt anything but I released my anger. I hopped in my truck and I drove to practice. But Sarah saw me throw my cup and I had already directed a lot of my anger towards her that she didn't deserve. So what do you think she did? She took it like me being angry and frustrated at her. Have you ever talked to an angry person? Like they didn't, they were not yelling at you but you can sense their anger. Our anger affects people. Our anger, like I didn't mean for it to for my anger to, to be directed at Sarah, but it, but it was because I couldn't control it. And David could control his anger. He had righteous anger. He felt angry, but he did not. He felt angry, but he did not. Greg, again, thanks. Thank you, Greg. He, he felt anger, but he did not. Sin. Sin. Sin's a word. So the verse says, be angry, but do not. Good, all right. We'll work on that a little bit later. But when we're angry, I could have said, I could have justified my anger. I could have said, well, yeah, you had my key, da 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 I could have justified my sin by my anger. But David shows us we can have righteous anger, and again, we have to take it to God. We have to say, God, how do you want me to to use my anger for your good. That, that doesn't make sense, right? But we can use our anger. The things, there are things we should be angry about. There's a lot of injustice in the world that we should be angry about, but we should never justify our actions by it. We should allow God. God justifies our actions. God leads us, and he takes our righteous anger, and he makes actually something beautiful out of it. He brings redemption, resurrection. Amen? Amen. Thank you for hanging in there. Let's pray. Thanks, Jason. He was about, Jason was about to pull me. I could see him getting ready. Yeah. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Lord, each and everyone here has somewhere they are in in the wilderness. It could be finances. could be raising kids. could be, connecting with family, whatever it is, Lord, would you just guide us? Lord, I pray over this church. As, we're our, as we are all figuring, figuring out our stuff, would you show us where we need to step into here? And what, what you have called us as the church together, too. And Lord, thank you for the big things that you're doing. Thank you for the big things that you're going to do. But we, may we be faithful in the little in the simple things that are maybe even bigger than we expect. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much.